This week's Witch Car Weekly number 25 comes to you first and foremost with an apology. An apology because we weren't here last week. No! I'm, ve- I'm very sorry about that. The oh. reasons for which are unclear. Um, but if you listen carefully and intently for the next 30 minutes, we will explain because we've been away on various adventures around the world in Australia, bringing you all of the best motoring stories and the little bits and pieces we couldn't tell you through the pages of our magazines and the virtual pages of our websites. Um, but to do that, I, of course, need to be joined by some fabulous people. And one of those is associate editor of Motor Magazine, Scott Newman. Konnichiwa. Uh, oh, that you that would imply he's been to Japan, but I can tell you, don't get too excited because he hasn't. No, Dylan has, but I haven't. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, you know, Dylan clearly you know, enough. better life, something yeah. like that. Um, and uh, also in the studio to talk about all things secret, it's actually quite exciting, isn't it? Chris Thompson, uh, Motor Nota from Motor Magazine as well. Hello. Uh, it's quite exciting because right now we are not allowed to be talking about the things that we're going to talk about. I feel dirty. Mm, yeah. I know. <laughs> Peel back the curtain a bit. We're actually yeah, recording this prior to embargoes lifting. So yeah. Hopefully there's no secret spies outside the door. Yeah, but don't worry. We are not going to publish this podcast, this installment of Witch Car Weekly, until the embargo is lifted. If but you're listening right to now- this before the embargo is lift- lifted, just don't listen to it. Yeah, and wash your ears. If it yeah. is before Thursday night Australian time, yes. don't listen. Stop now. So once again, apologies to all of our regular listeners. Uh, we have got a, a very loyal following now to to uh, to all those people out there. Fence Man, to Evolve the Driver, to Fast RC. Thank you so much for being uh, followers and subscribers. If you're not a subscriber, then why the hell not? Yeah. It's a click of a button away. Just do it. If you game. This week... The changing face of motor shows is bum steering a bum steer and some exciting revelations in a very good wood somewhere in England. That's top quality writing there, Dan. <laughs> Someone else must have written it then. <laughs> All right, kicking things off this week, guys. Let's get stuck straight into it. Something that Scotty wanted to talk about, uh, rear wheel steering or perhaps four wheel steering. Wheels on the rear axle that can steer. It's a, it's a technology that is emerging. It's not necessarily a new technology, but it's something that it, we are seeing more and more in high performance vehicles. Scotty, what do you want to say about it? Well, that's the kind of thing that's in the late 1980s. I can't. I should probably know which car was first, production car was first with it, but I'm afraid I don't. I suspect probably the Honda Prelude of yeah. like 86 or something like that. I was going to say, that was a very early one. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it uh, seems like every second Japanese car in the late 80s, early 90s had uh, rear-wheel steer, MX-6, uh, 929, mm-hmm. GTR, blah, 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 blah. And then it, everyone just kind of forgot about it. Like, yeah, it went away. Like, there was, as far as I'm aware, there was, there was no car with rear-wheel steering for the next, what, 20 or uh, 15 years or so, 20 years. And then it had this massive resurgence. So Porsche kind of got on the bandwagon quite early, uh, 991 GT3. And then it just... BMW 8 Series, the original e, um, E31 actually had it as well. Oh, did it? So that would have been in the 90s. Okay. But that was a bit of a blip on the radar. Yeah, a bit of a blip. Okay. Uh, and then it exploded across everything. I've got a slight small list here. Um, 812 Superfast, the new Megane RS has got it. Uh, and why I wanted to talk about it is a few cars I've driven recently have had it. Yeah. And uh, some of them have used it to very good effect. So I thought we'd uh, talk about them, talk about our experiences with it. One of my first experiences with with rear-wheel steering was with one of the early ones. It was a S13 Silvia, oh. which still had it, the Hikers system. And it was pretty bloody awful. Um, <laughs> if you, Why? Because back in those days, again, I should probably research this, but hey, it's a podcast. Um, <laughs> so the systems now will turn either opposite or the same way as the front wheels, depending on your speed. Yes. So 
Uh, it'll go the opposite way, like a monster truck, in, in like slow speeds to help your agility, and then turn the same way at yeah. high speeds to aid stability. Yes. It has the effect of sort of shortening or lengthening the wheelbase. But I think, certainly the one I drove was, it sort of went just the opposite way all the time. <laughs> so we're driving along these, uh, you know, big long sweepers on the east coast of Tasmania, and the car just felt awfully nervous. Like you'd turn, you'd put in a tiny little bit of steering lock, and it, you'd just get this rear steer feeling, and it was just horrible. Totally, you know, it's probably why everybody, the first thing they did was to install a Hikus lock bar to get rid of the rear wheel steer. Oh, that was a mod, was it? It was. Very, oh. very common modification, Hikus lock. Um, so, these days, it works a lot better in most cases. So, uh, some cars were driven recently, M850i, Panamera Turbo S, um, 812, that, that sort of thing. Humble brag. Yeah, humble brag. <laughs> yeah. uh, Magana RS. What am I forgetting? Um, Let me just see one second. Audi, has, Audi's bigger cars. Has the Bogo mm-hmm. Toyota RAV4 with a manual gearbox and front wheel drive got it? No, it hasn't. Has the i30 I drove before that got it? No, it hasn't. Back to you, Scott, with all, <laughs> with all your past $300,000 cars. Uh but probably one of the most amazing cars, this is, again, more pre-embargo information, but I will uh, lift the curtain now. Uh, GT63S has it. Um, yeah. And works to unbelievable effect. Things like an 812 or stuff like that, or even a Megane RS, mm-hmm. it's still going to be a pretty pretty agile thing. It's not that heavy. You know, it's a, it's a sporty car. Whereas the GT63S weighs 2,045 kilos, Curb weight, so that's before you put, you know, driver in it, blah, 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 blah. Well, and I mean, then it's an extra four or five kilos if you're driving it. Then. Four or five hundred. Um, and <laughs> that car is just incredible, the way it turns. it's It blows your mind. I've never driven a car, a car that size so and that heavy. What have, what have they done so differently then? Because I don't it, know. essentially I think it's, it's the same principle. It is. I mean, I think partly the fact that it's got monstrous tyres on it. The car we tested had... It was 275 front and 315 rear Cup 2 tyres. Uh, so you're already starting with a pretty good base. But right. the way it turns into a car, the, the the amount of steering lock or lack of steering lock you need to get this car to move and the speed you can carry into a corner, because usually you just sort of fall into understeer, especially in a big, heavy car like that. Yeah. You turn the wheel and at some point the front tyres go, ah, I can't do it anymore, and yeah. then you just have to wait. In this thing, it's just incredible. You could, it seems to relieve the pressure on the front tyres um, so that you can just carry insane amounts of speed. And I guess that's a that's a example of it working really well. Yes. Magan RS. Mm. You've driven the Magan RS? No, I have not. You've not driven the Magan RS? Well, I know. It's, it's, it's unlikely that I wouldn't have... It's eluded me for this length of time, but no, no. I haven't got my hands on that Chris, yet. Chris, you've driven the Magan RS? I have. And even the Magan GT had it, actually. Yes, that's true. That was um, my first experience with rear-wheel steering. And did oh. you sort of... What was your feeling? Did you get in and go, oh, there's something weird with this car immediately? Or did you have to sort of go, oh, there's a bit something strange. I'll have to look this up. The GT, because it was, I was very fresh-faced at motor, and it was quite early on for me in just my, you know, experienced driving cars... I'm gesticulating wildly here. Mm. Um, <laughs> no one Get off the that. roof, Chris. Get off the roof. <laughs> He's had a coffee. We've got to peel him off the ceiling. <laughs> I, uh, the uh, Renault car park is actually quite... Um, you've got to drive around a lot of you know sharp corners, and I noticed it. I was like, this car is actually very agile, and it was the first time I'd ever driven a car mm. that had rear-wheel steering. And I was, I was like, oh, why is it, you know, this car that is, you know, a big 
ish hatch yeah. and not you know not built to be particularly sporting in the gt spec anyway it was you know i was like oh this turns really well mm. and i had to ask someone later i think it might have been you or dylan i asked why is it you know so sharp yeah i mean it's 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 just because you had maccas trays under the back wheels and yes. the handbrake was on <laughs> and they just go around real easy when you do the that so you couldn't electronic do that in the gt because they had electronic handbrake but maybe that's why they put a manual one in the Megan rs precisely the maccas mm. tray action <laughs> I suspect that rear-wheel steering may be one of those things that we're seeing that is just becoming not a luxury or something that's nice to have, but a necessity. Because mm-hmm. with the exception of the Megane, all of the cars you listed that you've driven with it on are huge. Yes. So we're dealing with cars that are basically too big. Now, the way, as you also said, you can make them, you can virtually shorten their wheelbase is by mm. adding in rear-wheel steering. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be one of those things where cars are so fabulously powerful now that they all need four-wheel drive, otherwise you just turn the driven set of tyres into a cloud? Mm-hmm. Um, and in the same way, you you won't be able to live with these cars unless they have rear-wheel steering for the manoeuvrability at low speed. Yeah, I mean, very likely, because it does make... It does. It just seems so weird that it wasn't a new technology. It just sort of, I don't know, it's like someone put it in a box at the back of the factory and then at some point they opened it and went, oh, we completely forgot about this. We could start using it. It works really well. Yeah, but in the meantime, someone has put that box on a shelf and in the meantime, someone has invented a computer which can actually control it. And so that's the difference between the old systems and this is that mechanically it seemed like a good idea at the time but as yes. you said in practice it was horrid yes uh, low speed you could you basically could make it work at one or the other yes. end of the spectrum yes. now with computers and variable systems you can make it work all the time that's a good point Dan and I think well, that's thanks a very sensible well. point it took us 25 episodes to get me to the point where I can make a good point especially in re- re- like very big cars though like a BMW X7 does it have Yes, it does. I think it does. It would have to because it was it was much more nimble than its size should should have made it. Um, Audi Q8 was similar as well. Mm -hmm. Driving both of those, I was like, these are very big SUVs that feel much smaller than they are. We talk about infrastructure to make electric cars viable. Well, if the cars carry on going the size trend they are, we're going to need turntables everywhere to make them viable, (laughs) or they just need real steel. Like Thomas the Tank Engine. Exactly. Every intersection you just have to drive into when the lights go green and they just rotate ninety degrees and off you go again. I'm sorry, I can't go to IKEA because they don't have a turntable there yet, (laughs) and I won't be able to get out of the car park again. Um, which seems like a very good point to move on to our next subject. I didn't really have a point for all that, but I just thought it was interesting, uh, interesting technology, and uh, it's interesting who can get it right and who can get it wrong. When, you know, when the, the, like if, like all these things, if someone gets it right, you don't tend to notice it. So Yeah, yeah. exactly. As my dad always said, the perfect temperature is never noticed. Oh, there you go. There you go. Now, one of the many reasons for my absence, and I apologise again... Uh, for our first isn't that actually I mean you know we've been doing this a little while now that was actually the first podcast we missed out on just because you know it has just t- from time to time it just doesn't work I'm sorry if you are looking forward to each week it's very good of you uh, so time to time we just have to say look we're, we're too busy with other stuff and we won't be able to do it but we'll hopefully make up for it well, we still it. love you yeah absolutely we do and we'll make up for it with all the, with all the tales that we bring back from, from the far flung places we've been the place that I was was Germany uh, down in the south Munich BMW's headquarters uh, the BMW Welt as it's called or World uh, if you speak German. Yes. Uh, and what they did there is they laid on... <laughs> they laid on uh, a thing called their next-gen event. Um, before, is, we, before we get to that, please. We, it was a bit of a pil- pilgrimage for you, Dan. Let, let the listeners know. Yeah, okay, all right, yeah. all right, okay. All it was, right. It's a touching story. I did, I did. I don't, I don't Instagram a lot, but this is one thing that I did. You're getting there. 
Thank you. Well, you know, I, I'm capable. I might be an old bastard, but I'm capable of, of <laughs> embracing new technology. You'll be where influencing I think people before no time. Oh, hardly. Uh, so I, yes, okay. So I years ago, when well, many many years ago, when I was a little boy, I had a boiler suit like an overalls in blue, and I made my mum sew a BMW badge on it at about the age of ten. Because uh, I loved I loved BMWs even at, at that young age then and then uh, some years later I became a BMW BMW mechanic which I was for ten years and then I finished that job and ten years after finishing that job I finally ended up at the spiritual centre of BMW in Munich so it was a bit of a pilgrimage you're right Scotty and it was a it was a, frankly it was a big moment it was a very exciting exciting moment for me to be there at their headquarters where the museum is and then just over the the road is this amazing building with solar panels all over the roof called the Velt the World. Uh, and I was there for not just a, a a big fan girl out about it. I was there because they laid on this event called Next Gen, which is basically, uh, and I want to take this into the broader conversation, that because you have to clamor for attention at car shows now. Everyone's there. They've all got huge budgets. Mm. BMW has taken it on themselves to do their, basically a, a captive audience car show where they can get all of the press of the world along and just say, this is our message, and all you're going to hear for a day is BMW and our message. And it works incredibly well because... I was just talking about this before we were recording. You don't have to go along thinking, right, okay, these are all the people I need to catch up with at BMW. That's what they've been doing in the last six months. And then 30 minutes later, you're doing the same for Audi, then Mercedes, mm. then all the other brands. You just turn up for one day and all you're thinking about is one brand. And it makes the, the pressure on my feeble intellect and brain a, a lot lighter. We were there for a number of reasons. One of the most exciting things that was there was the reveal of their latest vision concept, mm -hmm. the Vision M Next. Why is this important? It's important because it's the first time... Thanks for asking. It's like we scripted this or something. <laughs> um, it's the first time one of their vision concepts... It's actually the first time that an electrified concept has appeared with the coveted M badge slapped on it, mm -hmm. which is basically BMW's expression of intent that they will eventually electrify M models. It's just a concept at the moment, but as they said, uh, they're not confirming anything for production, but they don't do concepts for no reason. What was a bit odd about this is it wasn't just a pure... I mean, you go to a motor show now and every man and his dog, it seems, has a batshit crazy all-electric hypercar. But it's it's not an all... It's not a pure EV, is it? No, it's not. It's no. a hybrid. So it's got lots of electric motors, but it also has a, a, a turbocharged four-cylinder engine in there as well. 600 horsepower? Net result, net output is 600 horsepower, so 440-odd kilowatts. Um, zero to 100 in three seconds, maxes out at 300 kilometers an hour. Uh, it's it's a if it does what it says it does on the tin, mm -hmm. it'll be a seriously potent thing. It's kind of a sportified i8, which sounds a bit strange because i8's already a supercar, but it's actually, you know, it's not amazingly fast and stuff like that. It's sort of like they take that i8 concept and yeah. turn the wick up on it. Exactly, it. exactly. Yeah. So what we're looking at is in the next few years, I, reading between the lines, no confirmation from BMW, but you can pretty much assume that you will have the very first M car with electrification. Um, and it's exciting times. But Did you like the way it looked? I do, particularly from the rear. Now, I know I've said that before about many things. <laughs> but in this case, it's because it just, it absolutely reeks of M1. And, yes. and the i8 didn't. And I, I felt that yeah. was kind of a missed opportunity. This time, they're absolutely not missing out on this chance to... It's kind of like the next evolution of that M1 homage yeah, concept thing. Yeah, definitely. Made. Oh, that's what I was waiting to... I was going to jump in and say it's like the M1 and the i8 had a babby 
and that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because there is still you, yeah, exactly. Um, fortunately, it got the M M one's good looks. Not that the <laughs> I eight isn't a good looker, yes. but the I eight is a polarizing design. I, I like the retro eighties ish kind of. It looks very, you know, it looks like someone in the 80s went, this is what the future is going to look like, but they actually did a good job of guessing where it's going to go <laughs> rather than going full back to the future and saying, 2015, we'll be flying cars. That is that is actually a really nice description. I think that's a great summary of the car. If you haven't seen this car already, absolutely jump online. You can read all about it. We've written several stories on whichcar.com.au. Um, most notably is its colour scheme. What do we think of sort of titanium silver mixed with fluorescent red? I don't know. I just... Come on, you gotta like it. Okay, I, I'm, okay, I, I'm well, again I like back, it. back with this retro <laughs> vibe. I really, I really like it. Scott, know, Scott, Scott, was a, Scott was around for some of the eighties, so it's yeah. just normal for him. I, know, I was it, around for all of the eighties. It looked, I looked at it and looked. I mean, this is where it's interesting because you saw it in the metal. I looked, at it, I thought it looked a, like a nice, clean shape, maybe a little bit dull. Um, oh, serious? Yeah. Well, okay. Like it was fine. It was good. Looked fine, but. From a styling perspective, I quite like the way it's gone because I don't think it's dull. I think that it has it has a suitable amount of concept outrageousness, mm-hmm. which will be dialed back for the production version, and that yeah. I think will be perfect. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I hope. But you know, I'm just excited. That's got a because I'm a big fan of the whole hybrid concept. It's you know you do get to slash your emissions, slash your fuel use. You know, take it in the direction we need to be going, mm. while still giving a nod to, you know, the dinosaurs that still love the sound of an engine because it does make a car more exciting. So if you have this little high-revving, even if it's a four-cylinder, little high-revving four-pot in it, um, although if it's a range extended, it'll be like a Holden Volt and sort of operate all weirdly. But um, Surely they wouldn't They wouldn't let it do that. No. So hopefully it's still driving the rear wheels and they just give it, like, you know, double the power with EV and it'll be... Well, speaking of the yeah. way it sounds, there's a very interesting story with that in the M Next as well. Yes. Because the uh, movie soundtrack composer Hans Zimmer oh. was was employed um, to help come up with the sound that the M Next makes. That's very strange, isn't it? Have we got to that point? So, did you hear the sound? Yeah. What does it sound like? The Pirates of the Caribbean theme song. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, be... No, no, it's actually just that's it, the line. He's yeah. a bit of a cop out. Also he's just... done by Hans Zimmer. Wait, really? Yes. Oh, no. It's sa- you know. sadly, it's it's a bit of a cop out. He just played the uh, soundtrack to Starship Troopers over the top. <laughs> did he? Yeah. Did he do this? Did he yeah. do the soundtrack to Starship? No, Troopers? he didn't. Oh. No, I made that up. No, it sounds um, lies. Well, you know, you you're a big fan of the i8, aren't you, Scotty? Yes. Yeah, me too. Um, actually, while I was out in Germany, I got another chance to drive on a track, and one of the things I realised and remembered I like so much about that is the noise that car makes. Mm. Is it has a distinctly electric whine because of course there's a there's a couple of electric motors on the front axle and one in the drivetrain as well boosting everything, but it's also got a big turbo right behind behind your head, mm-hmm. so it makes this lovely whiny sound. But then it also makes a turbo whistly sound. But then it's also a really really highly strung three cylinder. So you kind of get this strange combination of mechanical and electrical and futuristic and and visceral and past. Um, that's really what the M next sounds like as well. Okay, uh, but with a more pronounced electric kind of harmonised were. Interesting. Well, I'm actually going, funnily, funny segue, I'm actually going to see Hans Zimmer later this year. Yeah. So maybe as part of that concert, he'll play the Vision M next soundtrack. Engine note. <laughs> it is literally just one note that rises or falls depending on. But he could do like a lap of the Nürburgring or something. Oh, yeah. You know. 
How a a twenty-minute. Oh no! What, what, an, <laughs> Twenty-minute. It's an not minute, very fast. <laughs> an eight-minute opus. No, it just crashes a few times. <laughs> an eight-minute opus of Nurburgring. Oh wow! Vision M next. How much of a saddo would you have to be <laughs> to understand what's going on? Half the audience <laughs> would be going, "What is this?" <laughs> Play driving, Miss Daisy. So there you go. A little bit of a little bit of homework for you. Go and look up the M next, and and behold, it's. It's uh, visual treats, first of all, uh, but then also have a listen to how it sounds as well. Let us know what you think. Get in touch. You can get in touch via our various social medias. Touch us. And touch us in the most appropriate (laughs) way you like. If you see us on the street, do not touch us. (laughs) Speak for yourself, Chris. I get all the action (laughs) I can. Um, We're talking, for me, the most interesting takeaway from from the uh, next-gen show in Munich was the fact that it looks like car companies are increasingly turning to this alternative platform for their shows rather than compete for everyone's attention at frankfurt munich uh, um, geneva all the major ones la why don't you just stage a show all for yourself and we're seeing this kind of evolution in the way manufacturers do car shows worldwide and across all the brands Mm -hmm. and one of the most unexpected ones of that would have to be the goodwood festival of speed would it not chris it certainly would. This is the part where I'm going to start uh, talking about things I'm not really allowed to be talking about yet. Yes. Until you hear this. Rebel. Yes, when you hear this special sound, which coincidentally sounds exactly like the M Next soundtrack as composed by Hans Zimmer. <laughs> <laughs> that is your cue to stop listening and rinse your ears immediately. Unless it's after 7 o'clock and then the embargo is lifted. Please take it away, Chris. What are we going to see at the Goodwood Festival of Speed this year? Two rather exciting things. I'm that excited I can't say the word exciting. (laughs) Two rather exciting things. One we've known is coming for a long, long time. Another has been more recently teased. Uh, So the first is AMG's next A45. S. It has an S now. Yeah. So there are two levels. And the S is incredibly impressive. It has 310 kilowatts. From a turbocharged four-cylinder engine. Two two litres? Yes. 155 kilowatts per litre. That is absurd. It's nuts. 2.1 bar of boost pressure. Three. Whoa. Yes. So that's 31.5 psi. That is, as I like to describe it, is hose-stiffening boost. But yes. it revs to 7,200 RPM. Yes. Oh, right, yes. Turbo oh. hose. What do you think I was talking about? No, never, never mind. <laughs> Sorry, carry on, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt whatever this was. <laughs> Scotty and I, when we're alone, occasionally like to talk about stiffening hoses. Carry on. I'll just go to a different. I'll go to a different frequency, and I'll go all AM seventy two hundred RPM. <laughs> Chris is going to go to a different podcast where they talk about slightly more appropriate things. I'll go to a public broadcast sound and say this is seventy two hundred RPM from a turbocharged engine. Wow, that is significant because normally turbo engines just drop off like a like a mm. stone off a cliff. Yeah. Beyond sort of six thousand RPM, so it's going to have a. It's gonna, is, it, is it just a turbo with a car attached? Yeah, <laughs> it's like one of those high speed things where the entire front of the car is this <laughs> massive turbo. turbo. There's no grill; it's just the turbo. It's going to be someone, hard to get past pedestrian impacts. Because so. <laughs> someone's stuck on like a smiley face. It's just this huge impeller coming at you. It's going to just suck the whole Goodwood Festival of Speed into its into its track. <laughs> wow, well, we've really gone off track here, haven't we? We Sorry. have. As you're saying, A45s. Anyway, so yes, time. 310 kilowatts, 500 newton meters. Both of those peak quite late in the rev range yeah. because AMG's engineers said they wanted it to feel naturally aspirated. Yeah. But I imagine that torque curve would be rather flat. Like it's up to 5,000 RPM and then it peaks. 
So I imagine it would have to be, you know, if they're... If they want it to hit 100 kilometers an hour in 3.9 seconds, which is what they're saying it's going to which do, which is their claim, that's absurd. You're not going to be ringing first gear all the hatchback. way out to yeah, mm. yeah, it is. That's amazing. I it's love it. It's a this. hatchback that's probably going to be faster than some supercars with the right driver behind the wheel. Yeah. Did you like the last one? Um, I did. I did. I respected it enormously. I wouldn't mm. say I ever sort of loved it. Yes, yes. It's a bit. <laughs> Okay. I wish you could see the face that Scotty was doing that. It's kind of like, yes, I know you, Gardner. Yes, you're speaking sense. <laughs> it was. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. You drive an A45 and you go, because this is a segue to the current, there's this new one. So the last one was an amazing piece of kit. You could cover ground at such a crazy rate yeah. in any weather and any speed, but its trick was kind of speed. Like it reset the benchmark for high hatch speed. Yeah. And then you kind of got a little bit used to it. Like it's like, this is a very fast car. But beyond that, it sort of didn't really fizz. Like, it didn't really do anything apart from be really fast, which is still cool. But where this new one is quite impressive is it has... going to say... Yeah, it has a new mode, Chris. Did the last one have drift mode, Scott? No, it did not. It did not. Oh, they so. just looked at the Focus RS and gone, oh, that looks really exciting and people love that. Which yeah, is interesting because Tobias was quite, um, <laughs> was quite critical of the mm. Focus Iris drift mode, saying it was all contrived and everything in that, and now the A45 has drift mode. Yeah, so, you know, pick your battles, yeah. AMG. What's it to be? You're with us or against us? But this is the big thing about the new car. Um, you want to talk about its rear end, Chris? Its rear end? Yes. Which part of its rear end? Well, Ooh, the fact the that it's now got a... So, yes. So, it, the last it, one had the just normal Haldex system. Pretty boring. This new one has it's, a got a diff in the back that can yes. split the torque between the front and rear and between the two rear wheels. Much like a Focus Iris. Funny that. Bizarre. Mm. <laughs> so it's a, it's what twin plate, tw- uh, twin, God, fi- so help clutch. me here. So it's got, a, it's got a clutch on either side. <laughs> yes. So prop shaft will go through the back. There's a clutch on either side of the rear diff, which sends a drive shaft to each wheel, which means you've got two clutches, which means you can independently control the powered each rear wheel. So this has got this has got proper torque vectoring. Proper torque yes. vectoring. So rather than a lot of manufacturers say they've got vectoring where actually all they're doing is just breaking a wheel. Yep. You can this, overdrive the outside yes, wheel. Okay. It can so, do that as well. Yeah. Right. But you do all the things. All right. But it also does it properly. But hopefully that means whereas the last A forty five was a bit safe and steady at the limit, like a kind of, you know, bit of a bit of an understeerer. Now hopefully you'll be able to get the boot into it and it will pivot and do lots of exciting drivey things. Well this one also has that uh AMG ESP control system where you can set how much the ESP comes in. Did the last one have that as well? No, I don't, no, it didn't. I don't think that's old enough Whether to have been you're in a beginner that. or a pro or a master. Yeah, it's got it's a... got like yeah, a beginner, yeah. yeah, beginner, pro, intermediate or something like that and then master level which sounds like a video game. Mm. <laughs> Are they going to make it adjustable with a little yellow add-on knob bolted into the dashboard? Like the... The nine-stage nine traction no, control. Yeah. It does not have that. Okay, I was going to say, because that is one of the worst add-ons I've ever seen in any car, yeah, regardless of the brand. It looks like someone's just gone to J-Car and said, I need some kind of potentiometer, <laughs> and they drilled a hole smack in the middle of the dash. It does look a little out of place <laughs> in some so other bad. AMGs, doesn't it? So I hope their variable ESP system in the new A45 looks a bit better than that. Yes. Yes, sorry, <laughs> I did not... I, 
<laughs> I was hoping you would continue that sentence. Um, so having not sat in one yet, the interior looks quite nice okay. from the imagery that I've seen. Well, keep your eyes peeled for the Google Festival of Speed, all of the happenings there uh, for you to make up your own mind. Because, of course, it's not out there yet. Well, it might be now. It depends on when you're listening to the podcast. Uh, there's going to be another car there that we're also very interested in. Isn't there, Chris? What mm. else were we expecting to see? Yes, this one I know less about because I have not read a 20-page press release on it. Thank you, AMG. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ford uh, yeah. released a little teaser last week about... No, maybe at the start of this week about mm. the GT supercar. And it was just a silhouette with a giant wing visible in the background. And it turns out they're not you know, announcing a race car for you know, uh, Le Mans or something like that. They're actually announcing a very limited edition, unrestricted version of the GT supercar with 522 kilowatts that 45 people in the world will own. Oh, and one of them won't, it's fairly like it won't be an Australian. It's, Yes. yes, it's track only. So it's basically Ford's version of the Ferrari FXXK. Yeah. It's like a track yeah. only, de-restricted race car. Um, how do we feel about these? Do they, do they excite you, or are you just like an obtainium, irrelevant, just buy wheel race car? Well, if I had the money to buy one, I would feel very excited about. I mean, it, if you had all of them, that would be a pretty yeah. cool race. Well, hang on, <laughs> oh, <laughs> all yeah. of them on track at once. Yeah, forty-five of them. No, not all. Like all of the <laughs> all of the different cars. That's what I like you meant. Half of Senna them have been GTR, written off. FXXK, oh, gotcha. Vulcan. Okay, yeah. If you had all of them, as like a you know, take them all out and see oh, which would be best. incredible. Yes, I, I love that, but that's never going to happen. Well, well, I, I understand what you're saying, Scotty. Is that yeah, it, it's very, it's very inaccessible technology at the moment. And the re- the only reason I can sort of you know I can I can get myself excited about it is because hopefully, as with many things, you know, go to the very top of the pack and racing, pure racing, the technology does eventually cascade down into mm. stuff you can buy. Well, when I say you, I don't mean motor journalists because we can't buy anything. Can I be really cynical about it? Oh, I oh, I'd love you to be. Do you it. Know, you know why they're building it? Money. What? So they're no. making forty-five. They're one point two US million each. Ooh, so that's deep. Uh, just can... to, let's just remind ourselves: this has got a bloody Ford badge on it. Yes. Right. So that they're going to sell them all. So before they put options on it, which I'm sure there will be, that's fifty-four US million in revenue. <laughs> so think about okay, it's a pretty wild thing, but mm. it's basically the de-restricted race car. So they yeah. don't have to road homologate it. Yeah. They don't have to. Um, crash test it they don't have to put road safety stuff on it the race car bits are already there it just had to uh, take the restrictors off they have done a bit more aero stuff and like it's got a lot more aero than the race car mm. so you know call it a i don't know two million five million ten million dollar development program and they're getting 54 million bucks out of it not so a bad way to yeah actually and it's up the coffers and it's nice yeah with those kind of margins that's a serious breadwinner isn't it, it? is it and is. yet, and yet, it looks as if they're being some kind of a philanthropist who said, who's you know pushing the the development and the barons of cars for everyone's benefit. Mm. No, lining their own pockets. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the development program is fifty million dollars, and they're just doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. I like. <laughs> I, I very much doubt that. I like cynical Scott. Can <laughs> yes. he come back next week? Oh, maybe. Excellent, Chris. You're not welcome, I'm afraid. Wow. No, no. no. <laughs> what if I be more cynical? Or will you please have... will you please come back the next time you have something interesting to tell us about? <laughs> I'll be back in 20 weeks' time. 
<laughs> that's, I'm sure that's not the case. Um, Chris, but can you replace Dan next week? <laughs> oh, that's brutal. Wouldn't be hard. I, I don't have enough stories to replace Andy, I'm afraid. <laughs> Whether any of us can make it back next week is irrelevant. What we would like to, you to do is to listen in next week when we'll have, of course, all the other hot topics from wherever we've been in the world and around Australia. And if in the meantime you want to stay in touch with all of our goings-on, then jump on whichcar.com.au Get in touch via social media, or you can listen to any of the uh, previous podcasts. There are now an increasing number of them, and they just seem to be getting better by the week. So, Reading like rabbits. They are, unlike us. <laughs> <laughs> That's a story for another time. Yes. Thanks for listening in. More next week. Goodbye.